Ugh, I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hands down, the one I recommend is needed, so I'm thrilled to say that if you use the code BIRTHFUL at thisisneeded.com, you can get 20% off your first month of needed products. Needed is the number one nutrition brand recommended and used by me and over 4,000 practitioners, from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. Needed is for anyone trying to conceive, pregnant, postpartum, and really, this is goodness you can use even before and beyond the perinatal years. Along with prenatals, Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support to a lactation support plan, a stress and sleep support plan, and a gut health plan. In fact, I've had clients rave about Needed's pre- and probiotic formula, saying how much better it made them feel compared to their usual probiotics. And to me, Needed's hydration support packets, which only have ingredients you can pronounce, are a must in any doula or hospital bag. Also, Needed's prenatal multi is available in capsules and easy-to-take vanilla powder for those with nausea or pill fatigue. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. 
Welcome to Birthful. I'm Adriana Lozada. He looks at her and said, are you serious? Are you serious? And I just look at him. I look back at the monitor. And then I was looking up at the ceiling. I had the hot flash and I felt nauseous. And oh my God, what is happening? And I just sat there thinking, oh my God, there's two. That's Chelsea Morris Croy, a yoga instructor and studio owner who supports veterans affected by PTSD. And Chelsea was recounting the moment she found out she was having twins at 30 weeks into her pregnancy. Even though this was a big surprise and a curveball, it didn't derail Chelsea's plan for a home birth. But it did require adding a few more people to the birth team and figuring out the details of how to birth twins at home. Also, as we'll find out, when it came time to push, this was not the only curveball the twins had in store. You're listening to Birthful, here to inform your intuition. Welcome, Chelsea. It is so wonderful to have you here on the show. Thank you, Adriana. So amazing to be here. I'm super excited. Yeah, and I am excited to hear your story because you had twins at yes. home. <laughs> And that's not that common. So before we get to that, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you identify. So I identify as she, her. I am from the big island of Hawaii, born and raised here. And I'm a yoga teacher and have spent the last five or so years working with veterans suffering from PTSD. So I teach a guided meditation. And I also own a yoga studio here in town called Waimea Yoga. So my my passion is really to help people to see that they have an innate wisdom to heal their bodies. And that's led myself through my pregnancy and birth as well, was knowing that my body was able to do all the amazing things that it actually did accomplish. So when you got pregnant, what were your wishes? What did you envision for your birth? So I grew up very, we had a lot of Eastern influence in our health and well-being. You know, we went to acupuncture and chiropractic and you know, massage, and we did all that before we would go to a Western doctor. And so I always had in my mind that I would have the least intervention kind of pregnancy and birth possible. And, you know, I have a bunch of friends that had home births. And I thought, why not? You know, why not have a home birth? So what did you do to prepare to have that birth that you envisioned? Well, I listened to hundreds of hours of your podcast, first of all. <laughs> Literally. I mean, I meditate regularly. So I already was envisioning, you know, having healthy babies, having a healthy natural birth. And I do a lot of self-care and self-work. So to me, there wasn't really a question in my mind that things were going to go exactly as they should, you know, and that I didn't really have much control over that. You know, I just continued my meditation practice and my journaling. And actually, before I got pregnant, I had a vision board day with uh, some of my best friends. And it's very interesting as we get into my story, I'm not going to tell you guys yet, but it's very interesting looking back at what that vision board looks like now before I got pregnant and what I found out. So, <laughs> Ooh. and I think that no matter what you envision at some point, pregnancy birth throws you some curveballs. What curveballs did it throw your way? Because I was planning a home birth, I was working with a midwife and I wasn't planning on doing an ultrasound just because, you know, I was 33 at the time, healthy, everything was checking out great. My blood pressure was great. You know, there's no real reason uh, for concern, except that I kept measuring, my fundal height kept measuring quite large for my weeks. So I remember the first time it happened was at week 18, I measured at 24 centimeters. And if you're not familiar 
you're supposed to be in line with three weeks. So at 22 weeks, you should have a 22 centimeter fundal height. So I was six centimeters bigger. The fundal height is for people who aren't pregnant. It's the measurement from like your pubic bone up to where the top of your uterus is. So that as your babies grow, that also grows. And then they measure literally with a little, with a tape measure. With a tape measure. Yeah, they're literally, it's not an exact science. <laughs> However, six centimeters is quite a bit to be off. So she said to me, you know, it could be a couple of things. Either you're further along than you think or, you know, like a month ahead, or it's twins, or it's your torso. And I ha- I'm pretty average size, you know, it's not like my torso is super short. So the fundal height would, you know, the babies would make my uh, belly go out significantly. So when she said I could be further along, I was like, uh, uh-uh. I know exactly, I know the day that we conceived, like I could map it out for you that I for sure know the day that we conceived, I'm not further along. So it's kind of in the back of my mind for a while that, you know, maybe it is twins, maybe it's not. So we just, you know, kept moving forward. And my midwife said, you know, we'll just keep an eye on things. And I kept measuring big. Finally, at week 28, she said, she put her hand on my leg and she said, Chelsea, I think you should get an ultrasound just to rule out twins. So at 30 weeks, I wanted my husband Cody to come with me. And so we made it to the hospital at 30 weeks and the ultrasound technician had, you know, the thing on my belly and she's moving around. And right away she said, oh yeah, there's only one. And my heart dropped. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then she kept, you know, mapping out my belly. And it was several minutes later that she moved up to the top left part of my abdomen. And she said, ha, just joking. There's two. And Cody's face, <laughs> he looks at her and said, are you serious? Are you serious? And I just look at him. I look back at the monitor. And then I was looking up at the ceiling. I had the hot flash and I felt nauseous. And oh my God, what is happening? And I just sat there thinking, oh my God, there's two. So we found out we were having twins at 30 weeks pregnant. Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com. That's drmombuttbalm.com or look for it at amazon.com. 
tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately. Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. And it seems that you already had that knowledge, that sentient knowledge in your body that there was, did you feel that with that disappointment that makes sense to you? Definitely. I think that I was mentally trying to say, oh, it's only one. It's only one. There's no way that there's two. But I think that deep down, I knew that there were twins. The vision board thing that happened was looking back, I have all these little, you know, signs that there were two, such as I had the words printed out, make room or leave space around the edges for unexpected joy or coral, which is our daughter's name is coral. So I have coral. And then I had a picture of a boy and we're all in this together, you know, just different things that was like, oh, you know, maybe I did know subconsciously that there were going to be two instead of just one. Now, usually people find out if they're having twins before 30 weeks, almost before you can even feel baby's movements, almost like before 20 weeks, that's there's that common 20 week scan. And I'm curious, like, how were the movements in your belly? What was really interesting is one thing that made me question if there was two is that I felt all the movements centrally located in my right, like upper ribs. And then with the ultrasound, we found out both of their sets of feet were right there. So they were just kicking and kicking. And that's where all the action was. Every once in a while, I'd feel something in, you know, my lower left pelvis or my lower right, but it was very centrally located. So that was interesting that, you know, I didn't feel movement everywhere, but I did feel intense movement in that one area. Mm. Did this realization of twins at 30 weeks change your plans in any way? No, it didn't. Well, actually, my first thought was before it was even, oh my God, we're having twins. My first thought was, I hope I can still have a home birth. And I texted my midwife right away. And I said, we're having twins. Can we still move forward? And she said, yep, absolutely. You know, as long as everything checks out, okay, then, you know, we can still have a home birth. Oh, thank God. Because that was really, I did not want to have to go through the hospital. And so everything checks out. Okay. What does that mean? 
just that the babies were healthy, they were reacting, you know, their heart rates were good, which was absolutely the case. So then, okay, everything's looking great. You've adjusted mentally to twins. Your husband has uh, adjusted more to twins. (laughs) I think he's still adjusting. (laughs) We both are. Yay. And so as the day arrives, what happens? So I'll never forget it. We had our final dinner, our last supper at my mom's house. She lives right next door and my sister was in town. So we had a family dinner and I had been saying for weeks, tonight's the night, tonight's the night, because everybody says that twins come early. Little did I know diving into more research about it is, first of all, many moms are induced or have scheduled C-section. So that's a big reason why twins come earlier than full term. I personally think that if left to nature, a lot more twin uh, moms would go more to full term. So I ended up going to 40 weeks, five days. And so from 36 weeks on, almost every night, I was like, tonight, and it got exhausting. And then I remember the night that it actually happened, I looked at my mom and I said, mom, tonight is really the night. I actually feel pelvic pain. It was the first time I'd actually felt pain. Prior to that, it was like, you know, intense Braxton Hicks or, you know, so I knew it, something was happening, something was shifting. And I had an appointment with my midwife a few days prior and I was uh, two centimeters dilated already. So I knew some action was happening. So had a good dinner, came home, went to sleep, woke up at 1.30 a.m. and I had strong contractions, three minutes apart. And so I tried to give my husband some time to sleep. I woke him up about an hour later. I was thinking, oh, I can handle this. Oh, I can handle this. But it was pretty intense from the beginning. So I called my midwife right away. I called my doula right away. Midwife got here around three or so and doula shortly thereafter. You know, I was laboring in the house, just walking around, you know, until morning time and then went over to my mom's house, which, as I said, is next door. So I could walk outside and be in the sunshine and you know, just a little change of pace. And then at 12 o'clock, I was eight centimeters dilated. And at that point, I got into the tub, the birthing tub, which didn't really progress things. You know, I remember getting in it and saying, Oh, my God, this feels so good. I could cry. It just felt so good because my contractions were really intense and really close together. I just didn't get a break at all. So at that point, I'm eight centimeters and everyone's thinking, okay, this is happening. You know, she's going to move into transition. She's going to have these babies in the next hour. I was determined. I was like, I'm having these babies within 12 hours. So that would have been an hour later. At four (laughs) o'clock is when my midwife actually called my mom and said, okay, things are really happening. It's time to come over. So they came over at four and, you know, I'm in the shower. Cody's holding me and my doula is helping me. I think in the whole labor I only really was able to rest once or twice where in between contractions, I fell asleep for a couple minutes. But other than that, it was just pretty consistent and grueling and, you know, super hard work. So by four o'clock, mom and the family came over. They're just outside. I'm in labor land. Don't know what's going on. And then it wasn't until seven o'clock. So three hours later, three hours of pushing later that the first baby was born and John Michael had been engaged in my pelvis for weeks. Nobody thought there was any question that John Michael was going to be born first, right? And it was minutes later that one of the midwives said, oh my God, it's the girl. And we were all like, oh my God, that's crazy. So at some point, 
they had shifted positions, which is probably partly why that pushing stage was so long because, you know, if they were vying for a position, what my midwife thought, Nina is her name, thought might have happened is that John Michael went more posterior and then Coral scooted up and over and her head went up and over and then she got in position. So that was, they talk about the ring of fire. Oh my God, it is no joke. It was the hardest thing anyone can ever do. And you hear that all the time, but until you actually experience it, you have no idea. So they both had a really hard time getting past my pelvis, which is why it was such a hard pushing stage. And then once she came out, getting him out was another two hours. My body was not saying, yep, I'm getting this baby out right now. My body was like, no, it's not really ready. So I was on my back, which I didn't imagine being. My doula was holding one leg up all the way up towards my ear. My husband was holding the other leg up. I was curling. I was doing a C curl like as much as possible. I would push as hard as I possibly could and then only take one little sip of air and then continue pushing. So I had to keep the tension and then keep pushing. And I did that again and again and again and again until finally the baby, you know, came out. (laughs) I had two enemas and I had to catheter twice because there just wasn't enough space for the babies to come through. So they tried to empty my bladder. You know, they tried all the more natural interventions without actually having to, you know, be transported to the hospital. At any point, did the babies show any sign of distress or you get to a point where you were thinking, you know what, maybe we should head on over to the hospital? I never thought that, but Cody just told me last night when we were kind of talking about things that now I remember Nina saying to me after Coral was born, she said, you have to get this baby out. Like it got serious, you know? It wasn't another hour or so till he was actually born, but she's like, you have to push. And I kept saying, is he close? Is he close? And she said, you're going to have to work really hard to get him out. And I remember looking at Cody and I remember thinking, I haven't looked him in the eye. I need to look at Cody in the eye and we need to do this thing. So I finally looked at him and he was like, you got this, you got this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And so it was another probably 45 minutes pushing, but it gave me like the strength to, to do it. And at no point did I think I needed to be transported. Although Nina did give me that option. She said, you know, we don't have to do this here. And I said, no, no. And she said, okay, okay. Just want to make sure you feel comfortable. I said, yep, no, we're doing this. Like I knew that I could so Coral comes out. Did she come to your chest? Did you like say hello? She yeah. did. So she came to me. We got to do skin to skin. She nursed right away. She's my like superstar breastfeeder. And then as soon as my contractions started, I don't know the time frame, but they started. They took her. Cody was holding her. Well, she kind of went to my mom and to Diesel and to my sister and then into Cody and then to another midwife while I was pushing to get John Michael out. And then when he came out, did you have him straight up on your chest as well for a little bit? What happened then? Yes. So this is where it got a little bit scary because he was breathing, but he didn't have a big cry. And so, you know, I was holding him. I was talking to him. I was coaching him. I'm like, okay, John Michael, here we are. Take a breath, take a breath, you know, give me that big cry. I want to hear that big cry. And he just didn't, he had some labored breathing and his skin or his um, muscle tone was okay. And his color was okay. So it wasn't like, In that moment, something terrible was going to happen, but it was as things progressed and he wasn't taking that big breath and his breath continued to be labored. 
you know, we got him on oxygen. I'm still holding him. I'm still, you know, skin to skin. We were able to extract a little bit of colostrum and gave them about a, you know, half teaspoon of that, which was great. So what happened is at some point during the labor, and I always say, um, the kids are going to listen to this one day, but it's Coral's fault because she wanted to come into this world quicker. And she's has a personality like me, which is like, let's do this. And Cody's more laid back and John Michael's more laid back. And so I think that during that vying for position, he got distressed. He had a meconium poop and then, you know, he inhaled it, which is what got potentially into his lungs and, you know, is the reason for that labored breathing. So after about two hours, we were running out of oxygen in the tank. And so Nina said, Nina made the call and said, okay, this is, this is becoming serious. She said, you know, the, the medics will come, they'll take him to the hospital They'll do some tests, see what they need to do. Hopefully it would just be an overnight stay and get his breathing back on track and he'll, you know, be breathing on his own, which unfortunately didn't happen. So we live on Hawaii Island, the big island, which we don't have a NICU at our, anywhere on the island. So if anything like serious happens, babies have to be medevaced to Oahu, to Honolulu, where there's a bigger hospital. So that's what ended up happening, I was never really worried about him because he was big enough. He was six pounds, 14 ounces, and Coral was five pounds, 11 ounces. You know, he wasn't his four pound baby in the NICU. They just needed to, to get his oxygen back on track. And they are quite big for twins. And that has to do probably with them being in there until 40 weeks five, right? 40 weeks six by the time they're born, which is actually quite on average for first time birthing. So how were you feeling through that process? Because even though the midwife was very calm about it, that sounds scary. You know, I was very calm as well. And I think, you know, we had a lot of support. And the way Nina put it was like, they're going to do what they need to do to take care of him. You know, and Kapilani is, Kapilani Children's Hospital is incredible. So I knew that he was going to be in the best possible hands and just his weight alone made me super confident that like, he's going to be in and out of there in no time. And I didn't believe that he was going to have an infection and he didn't end up having an infection. His white blood cell count was really high, but that's normal. If you know, in a situation like that, it doesn't mean there's an infection. It means the body's doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is fighting whatever it is that it needs to fight, you know? And I'm sure that you know, playing devil's advocate, people would say, well, things would have been different if you were in the hospital. However, is that the case? Like giving a baby that has some meconium aspiration in utero and comes out, is there any different protocol at the hospital that would make things different? No, the same, which is another reason why I was confident in doing a home birth is that if I was at the hospital, they would have to do the same thing, which is get him on a flight over to Oahu. The difference would be they probably wouldn't have let me labored so long, right? They probably would have highly suggested. I mean, I guess they can't force me to do anything, but they probably would have wanted to get things moving a lot quicker and potentially I would have ended up having a C-section or getting induced. I did end up having to go get non-stress tests regularly at the hospital and I felt way unsupported, not by the nurses, the nurses were amazing, but by the doctors who would tell me absolute worst case scenario, not if this thing should happen, but when it will happen, such as 
when baby A takes the nutrients from baby B, you will need an emergency C-section for all the worst things that could happen. And that was really frustrating because it, I consider myself to be, you know, confident and intuitive and I feel empowered. And that was a really uh, disempowering experience to have somebody of a higher level tell me what my body is capable of doing without knowing any background of me not knowing that I had an extremely healthy pregnancy. I had like a textbook healthy pregnancy. People were amazed at how well I was doing. I was amazed at what my body was able to do. And yet I was told X, Y, and Z is going to happen, you know? So that was really frustrating. Did you feel you had to prepare yourself differently to have a home birth in terms of responsibility? That's a little bit different of the responsibility of the birth when you're at a hospital, for example. So I think the biggest thing was just taking care of myself, you know, making sure that I was rested and eating well and, you know, doing my own research and talking to the right people and doing enough research, but not too much that I would freak myself out and watching just enough home birth videos, but not too many. And, you know, kind of that fine balance between information overload and going in blind and listening to your podcast, honestly, was one of the most helpful things, just listening to other stories and having friends who had done the same thing, not with twins, but just home births and knowing like, you know what? And Nina, my midwife has been doing this for over 30 years. And so I was really confident with her and we live two miles from the hospital. So I was confident that if something should happen, we would go to the hospital and that's what we had to do. So it sounds like everything was set up with plan A's and plan B's and plan C's that you felt all around it was a safe situation? Yes, absolutely. And when people would ask me, oh, you're going to do a home birth? And I would always answer, my intention is to have a home birth. My intention is to have both my babies born healthy at home. You know, I am not in control of whether or not that's going to happen. But that was my intention. And last thing, what was the most transformative part of all this for you? Oh, just stepping into motherhood has been so incredible. Being able to, you know, see my mom be a grandmother and see my husband be a father and step into motherhood in the lens of all of that has been really, truly amazing. And I had like a textbook healthy pregnancy. People were amazed at how well I was doing. I was amazed at what my body was able to do. So it feels good to still have had something happen, which is John Michael had to go to the hospital. And yet I still got the birth experience that I wanted, which was to do it at home with the support around me. But that is my passion is like helping people to understand that you are the expert of your body. You know, whether you're birthing or you're doing a marathon or whatever it is, you know, you are the expert in your own body and getting in tune with that is the most valuable thing that you can do in your life. So I'm really grateful and excited to continue on this journey. Tilsi, thank you so very much for sharing your story with us and for being such a breathful fan. And oh my goodness, I am honored to hear your story and so happy that everything worked out with your twins. Thank you. Thank you, Adriana. This has been amazing. I'm super excited to have this recorded so I can share it with my friends and family and the twins one day when they're old enough. That was trauma-sensitive yoga instructor and new mom of twins, Chelsea Morris-Croy. You can find Chelsea on Instagram at Yoga. I hope that your main takeaway from our conversation is that because birth is such a big event that involves all of your aspects, 
taking the time to prepare at a mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical level during pregnancy is truly crucial. This well-rounded preparation is going to help you feel grounded in your choices and can also help you navigate the unexpected when and if it arises. One thing you can do for you is to try Yoga Nidra, which is sometimes nicknamed Sleep Yoga. Yoga Nidra is an accessible form of meditation, and the IRS certification, which Chelsea has, is specifically linked to benefits for veterans who have experienced trauma. The bonus is Yoga Nidra is considered useful for people who are pregnant or parents of young babies because this kind of guided meditation can help you feel rested and maximize that little sleep that you might be getting. Drop into an instructor-led class or download a Yoga Nidra track and try it for yourself. The one thing you can do for the rest of us is help support veterans' access to therapeutic modalities like trauma-sensitive yoga for PTSD by donating to an organization that provides community outreach. So, for example, Chelsea partners with Yoga Impact, which is a Hawaii local nonprofit, in order to provide access to her healing work. And it is super easy to donate to their efforts from her website at waimeayoga.com outreach. You can connect with Birthful on Instagram at Birthful Podcast. And to learn more about Birthful and my birth and postpartum preparation classes, go to birthful.com. Birthful was created by me, Adriana Lozada, and is a production of LWC Studios. The show's senior producer is Paulina Velasco. Jen Chen is executive editor. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. Kojin Tashiro is our associate sound designer and mixed this episode. Thank you so very much for listening to and sharing Birthful. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Amazon Music, Spotify, and everywhere you listen. And come back for more ways to inform your intuition. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one Birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.